Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Today, I'm so pleased to have as our in-studio guest, Ms. Ligia Buzan, who's the managing partner of a tuning organization, The Art of Perfecting Leadership. Ligia, welcome to the program, and thank you for interrupting your very busy schedule to share with us your views on leadership, but most importantly, tell us about this new venture of the attuning organization, The Art of Perfecting Leadership. Oh, Darrell, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to talk about something that I really love. So attuning, uh, it's a new organization. Um, we call this group attuning, um, using the progressive form of the verb to attune, just to show that it's work of leadership that is in progress, and it's work that requires tuning in and training to listen carefully, you know, in order mm-hmm. to to have some courage and sensitivity to, you know, to, to the culture of each company. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the work we do is the work of attuning leaders. That's why we're using this tagline, which you so beautifully pronounced, perfecting the art of leadership brings our messaging focus. Yes. Before we jump into attuning, which I love the the name, tell us a little bit about your education, your background, and your career. Well, um, very shortly, I have master's and PhD degrees from Boston University, interdisciplinary degrees, international relations, politics, communications, which is to say that uh, the work of strategy that I've done in the last 12 years, um, really, I focus on uh, systems thinking, looking at every company and every culture from a variety of perspectives. And, and part of my work is to share with top management and, and their teams um, a mindset that instills courage and integrative thinking and appropriate risk-taking as opposed to following a formula, you know? Interesting. You mentioned the word courage. And when you use the word courage in looking at new business opportunities, can you help us understand why courage is so important and what type of courage are you referring to? Well, since we're talking about leadership, I believe that um, courage is one of the most important qualities that a leader should have, is the courage to look at oneself first, uh, to heal that sort of blind spot that everybody has, um, to understand other people and to listen to other people and to hear opinions that, you know, one may not like. But it's also the courage to go ahead and, and discover new things and be proven wrong. I believe that many times we have a, a culture that, um, you know, approves of people who have one success after another. and. I don't know how you can have so many successes without having some failures along the way. So courage is very important to me. You know, that's, that's, very, that's a very good point um, because failures really teach us so much. And when we encourage someone to fail but fail fast, we're saying to them, it's okay to fail but learn from those failures. Do you find that the current CEO environment is allowing folks to really do that? Oh, far from it. Uh, no, I think I think everybody knows <laughs> that failure is gut-wrenching, horrible. Uh, no matter what we say, 
verbally that we learn from it, um, it, it's really very difficult to take, especially now that, you know, followers and leaders have a very different relationship than in the past where, you know, followers challenge leaders tremendously. And, yes, leaders may have power, authority, or influence, but followers have means, and they're using them. Um, and just a, a very simple example is the example of market basket nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Let's talk about Market Basket. What is going on? What is the latest? Well, you know, I mean, everybody knows that that Arthur T. won the battle, whatever that means. But, uh, you know, there's so many commentators looking at the situation from a variety of perspectives. What I'll say is this. um, I see in this uh, example uh, the possibility of a team working um, well with their leaders, loving their leaders even, and working not only for profit, which is very important in a business, but working also for um, some sort of happiness and fulfillment at work. Ligia, as um, this is, of course, an international show, for the benefit of our listening audience, could you give them an overview about what happened up at Market Basket in the Boston area? A very, very short uh, overview would be that um, it's a family-owned business. Uh, It's a business that everybody loves, customers and um, people who work in the business. And it has an extraordinarily positive connotation on the market. Um, The prices are are great. Uh, People are nice. So uh, it's a family-owned business, Arthur T., one of the leaders in the company, and Arthur S. So there's a... Um, many interpretations would happen there. The board was involved. Arthur C. was expelled. And um, everybody um, in the company started to, to take out to the streets to support their leader. I heard some interviews on NPR where people were saying that they would do anything to support their leader. You know, So they brought him back. That is excellent. I mean, I, I saw a picture of someone... Uh, walking through the one of the stores, and it was just empty. It was there was no goods or merchandise, and uh, so they really stuck together because I guess he was someone who really promoted a what I like to say is a 360 view of being a good employer. Mm-hmm. Really yes. looking out for the community. Yes, yes, I I, I agree, and um, it's also an example that. Um, you know, people can benefit from their work, and they they can be appreciated, and they can love their work, which is, I think, wonderful. So, um, considering uh, the word blind spot, obviously, the board of directors had a huge blind spot. I think so. Yes. How would, um, how would you characterize the board's blind spot in that area? That really, it, how much money did this actually cost them in the end? In regards yeah. to lost sales and lost of goods and all I'm that. not sure I remember I've read it, but a pretty pretty large sum. Um, and, you know, obviously money talks, so they, they made a decision in the end. We don't know all the details. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate. But the blind spot is, I think, in this particular case, which refers to leaders and followers, is that they have not realized um, the power of the followers. They haven't taken into consideration what the people who work there, who made that work their home and their lives, their power, you know. Right, right, right. So let's, let's talk about uh, attuning. Um, this new organization, uh, your website is up, and for the benefit of our audience, could you give them the website uh, for attuning 
organization? Yes, it's uh, attuning.org, which is, you know, the verb to attune, A-T-T-U-N-I-N-G.org. Wonderful, wonderful. And what, pr- what prompted you to bring this, this great collection of professionals together um, to form the attuning organization? Yeah, well, let's just say, first of all, that these are absolutely wonderful people, and we work in a, in a modern way, it's a collaborative of people, and everybody is quite accomplished in their own way. So our backgrounds cover um, business strategy, psychology, adaptive leadership, cultural anthropology, you know, brands, and neuroscience research. So we have extensive international consulting experience. So why we got together, why we decided to do that, uh, this business is because first, we talked about the complexity of the situations in which we operate today. And that requires, um, in our experience, a different type of learning and different solutions than those that worked in the past. So observing these organizations we work with, we noticed many times that people could have been a lot more successful than they really were. And the obstacles was obviously themselves, you know. So we wanted to create an organization that helps companies diagnose well by seeing a problem in a particular context and only then creating a plan of action that is suited to that company, that particular organization. And I'm going to emphasize the diagnosis part because I feel that there is a lot of pressure today for people to perform and to make quick decisions. Everything is real-time, obviously, digital you know, we, we don't have time to think too much, and we have to show results. But also, I, I, I observe the process of diagnosis is extremely important. So to take a parallel from another field, what we want to do, we want to do, you know, what personalized medicine does today for patients. It's, it's a model where we use molecular analysis uh, to come up with medical decisions and products that are tailored to a particular individual patient. And all the, the, this diagnostic testing uh, for personalized medicine is, is creating therapies in the context of patient's genetic content. So that's what we want to do. We, we want to help clients to mobilize resources for change, for them to thrive based on their own cultural uh, DNA. And how do you find the CEOs to be receptive to, to this particular type of form and function to, to create a better environment for their, for their business? Well, um, I think that um, sometimes it happens when, and every case is different, sometimes it happens when people see that something that they've tried a lot has not worked, and they're willing to see how, you know, other possibilities, integrative thinking, it's not either or, but maybe is a different solution. Um, would work. Some other times teams are really not working together well, so they want us to come in and do an assessment to figure out what would be the best way to build a team or what would be the best leadership context for that particular project. So um, I think people are a lot more open nowadays to see what's working. As we said, you know, obviously they have to give results, so um, a lot more people are, are open to new possibilities I've seen. For the, the skeptical CEO who is uh, so concerned about return on investment or trying to uh, quantify and qualify the benefits of your service, how do you address that particular issue with uh, he or she, the, the CEO? So I just want to quote somebody before I even go further. Otto Sharmer is a um, 
a researcher at MIT. He wrote a book called um, Theory U or Leading from the Future. And he makes a um, distinction that I would like to, to propose. He says, while management is about getting things done, leadership is about creating and cultivating a larger context mm. in which things can happen. So what we do when we talk to people is we help them uh, shift their perspective, their narrative. You know, each company's culture is based on a, on a stream or a string of stories. We do things this way. So what we do, we come in and we allow them on their own time and uh, their own terms to see that there are other narratives around which they can build um, products or services. So it's quite easy, actually, to have a couple of such encounters so they can see how people become almost immediately more productive, at least some of them, and more engaged. And by being more engaged and owning their work a lot more, you can see immediate results. Mm, wow. So you put them through a couple of exercises, and then they immediately see, wow, mm -hmm. folks, folks are um, operating more uh, productively, you might say. Okay. And um, what is your particular area of specialty? You know, I mean, I know that, I know that um, you know, mine is strategy, but I know that I do a lot more than that. Um, I create content based on my own experience of business cases um, with clients. I, um, I create this new program, I'll tell you in a second, a, a, a leadership adaptive program for um, CEOs, C-suite uh, people, for uh, managers, also for startups who do not know how to lead a new team uh, under very stressful circumstances. So I do that, and I also, you know, uh, engage clients. I, you know, want to make sure that things work well. So a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. And um, I know in your overview, you, you, you touched upon briefly uh, with I believe there's five folks in your firm. Is that correct? Yes. Could you each give us one. an idea about about each one of those folks in their area, especially because it looks like there's a this is just an all-star team sure. of of folks with different skills to, to, mm -hmm. to come together to really provide uh, that 360 view mm -hmm. diagnosis, if you will. Sure. I co-founded uh, attuning with uh, Dr. Eric Gregory. He specializes in positive psychology which is a field that examines healthy human functioning, courage, hope, optimism. And this is really, really important, I believe, in, in times like this, because people who have this sort of outlook will dare to go out with more courage, you know, and will dare to assess a situation from the perspective of success as opposed to um, fear of failure. And uh, Dr. Gregory got um, a lot of experience working in adaptive leadership and leadership psychology. He is trained as a business psychologist, and he recently created a, built a wonderful uh, leadership psychology program at MSPP. He, he leaves behind a, a great legacy. And then um, it's uh, Ava Lindbergh. She is um, an extraordinary researcher with many years, maybe 30 years of experience in innovative, authentic, ethnographic, and qualitative methodologies. She worked with, with top brands, um, and, and, and she is well known for being able to bring some very, um, you know, penetrating insights for breakthrough initiatives. Um, then is uh, Dr. Leiter. Um, he's a renowned expert in the psychology of work. 
Um, he has um, his research is on job burnout, work engagement, and happiness at work. Um, he's also a, um, a keynote speaker. Most of most of the people in our group keynote speakers for different audiences. Um, and uh, Ed Farolo is um, uh, the founder of Vitalinks. Um, he had consulted with a very large spectrum of companies, Fortune 100 to startups. And he's a part of the Association of National Advertisers Faculty. He conducts a lot of workshops with major corporations. So there are other people that are coming on group uh, per needed basis. But um, we're, we're building right now um, a new program in, in um, adaptive leadership, um, which is going to have a certificate as a six-month program. So um, it really helps to see things from different perspectives and be able to teach different modules from different perspectives. Wow, that is, that is awesome. And so let's talk about the attuning organization. And, of course, you're very familiar with the term emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. is, is there similarities between when one thinks about a manager who has a very high emotional intelligence score and the manager who is in a finely, uh, finely attuned organization? Or is what are the differences, in your opinion? Well, you know, I mean, we, we look at people um, from a, a different perspectives. So somebody may have a very high emotional intelligence but also have other qualities, and working with people that are similar may deliver certain results, and it's wonderful for certain projects. But you want to team them up with somebody who has a different sort of intelligence for other projects and help them work together well. Uh, when I, we talk about well-attuned um, organizations, we're thinking of context that are difficult to understand. So we want to train them to have the ability to listen and to pay attention to what's happening around, because change is happening at a faster pace than ever. Right? Um, we want them to understand where their um, sweet spot is on the market. Um, and then we want them to, to be able to create harmonious relationships at work. You know? I just want to give you a very quick example um, without going into details. But uh, you look at Borders. Right? It's such a, an incredible organization that was not really attuned to the realities around them. Right, right. right. Where, where leadership thought they were in the business of selling books and DVDs, where most everybody around them was in the business of selling digital content. Right. So this is just a the very quick example where we can help people to get some perspective. Very nice. Very nice. And when you engage with a client, how long does the diagnosis take? Um, I, I'm sure it depends upon the size of the organization and the complexity of the issues, but on average, um, let's talk about what the diagnosis would consist of. Well, first I want to say that um, we try to move beyond technical challenges, right? Technical challenges being uh, we have a problem, we're going to get more computers or more people to solve it. We try to move and address problems from an adaptive challenge perspective because the focus that we have and we think our clients have is to have more resilient businesses um, and organizations so they can, they can adapt and thrive so they can mobilize resources for social change. So the, the, the diagnosis depends on the problem and on the organization, on the size of the problem and the organization. But it can go from, you know, uh, um, researching and gathering 
enough data to engaging people to look at it, um, you know, a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Or it can be, depending on what they need, it can be, a, I don't know, a, a few days um, retreat. But most people don't want to do that, but most people just want to work within their, um, you know, work time. Um, so I would say a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And um, so the engagement is that you do this diagnosis, and then, of course, you work with them to implement it. Um, what are some of the perf- tools that you use to perform, uh, to look at performance measurement? Well, you know, I mean, this gets into very much uh, the details of it. And I, I would say, though, it's very important to realize that most people are, are interested in the results of the test, so to speak, or assessments, but not very interested in, in going through them. So we have something, for instance, what I created uh, is a mood detector, so to call, right? So um, as soon as a, a group comes in, you, you, you take their mood, like temperature, right? They don't even realize. It's some, some nice little exercises, you know, they can, um, they can experience and see where they are. A lot of people are not used to asking themselves, how do I feel today? How do I feel about this? What do I think about this, right? So we have, you know, just regular industry standard uh, assessments, 360 feedback and so forth. But uh, we also have some very creative means of helping people be engaged with the process. In other words, what I'm saying is that we're giving them the tools. We're not doing the work for them, right? I'm sorry, say again? We're trying to give people the tools instead right. of doing the work for oh, them. Of course, of course. So it's not like um, see, they participate mm-hmm. in the process of, of doing the, the diagnosis. So this, what I just told you about um, a mood detector is just an, an example of an exercise that I've created for clients. So they can actually check this mood themselves. Sometimes we do online work, most of the time online exercises, so everybody um, can can just check in and right. figure out. At the end of it, you, you take a look at this, um, you know, a sample of responses, and you get a sense of where the group is, and it's all anonymous, you know. Oh, so it, right, it helps right. you deal with, mm-hmm. a, with a group a lot better mm-hmm. than if you were to ask them in person, how do you feel, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. And so w- with these different measurements and tools, but I, 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 I guess you would provide the, the leaders of the organization, because uh, some of them might say, oh, this is great, but, you know, how do I get started? How do I implement this? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you provide uh, coaching in that respect as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we do a couple of things. I mean, definitely working with teams, but also working with people individually, helping them assess the problem, stimulating in them the ability to come up with the solutions, and also, you know, advising them on what the results mean and what are the possibilities, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and typically, do you find that your clients, once they're engaged and the engagement is over, but they'll come back for maybe a review or refresher? Well, it, it, it always happens. It always happens that they, they need to do something else. <laughs> but m- mostly what I've noticed is that, that people have a, a great experience learning how to work with particular narratives, learning how to work with means that, you know, they, they never knew before. Um, you know, they learn to adapt to situations that um, are completely new for them. So that allows them to lead more powerfully, you know. And, and so... This is very, this is very interesting and very compelling. That I think all CEOs should uh, 
listen to and, and take you take advantage of these services. Mm-hmm. But from your from your perspective, uh, leaning towards the degrees that you have achieved in, in international relationships and leadership. When did you first realize that this is what you wanted to do? You wanted to focus on helping people to be better leaders. Um, you know, I think it was a really uh, a growing uh, interest. I, I don't know if I, I realized that immediately. I just noticed from my work with people that it always comes back to the self, that some people were there bigger obstacles, and I notice that I'm spending a lot more time doing work individually with CEOs or with teams that I was showing them how to strategize or how to sell. So I I realized that there was something really, really important in that, and I I started to be fascinated with this concept of blind spot and and resolving that first so that people would get um, this kind of um, the resources to do the work themselves. You know? mm, right. So, uh, Ligia, believe it or not, we're in our last few minutes, and uh, this has been fantastic. Um, I, I wanted to find out from your perspective, what are the key traits of a great leader from your observations? Well, I'll, there are a good number of them, uh, but in my perspective, I'll give you three. One is courage, which I, meant, yes. I mentioned before. The yes. other one is vision, which is the ability to see the end of the road, the ability to see where you want to go, and the ability to see patterns. And um, the third, I would say, it's resilience. Mm. Um, by that, I mean really holding space for others to, to find their voices and to own their work, allowing them to own their work, and you know, having the patience to, to stay with all the difficulties that naturally happen. Wow. And... Um how would you describe your leadership style? <laughs> Which is the hardest thing to describe, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I personally, I, I'm a great believer in everybody's capacity to lead, to find their own voice, and to embrace a higher ideal. So my personal style is somewhat um, Socratic. Um, I like to ask questions that people find their own answers, somewhat of a, of a guide, somebody designs a journey and allows people to, to just go on their own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you want them to find that right path on their own. Well, I, I design yes. the right question. So I design a context, but I don't um, tell them what to do. That's authority. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't, the, how would I say that? I, I don't coach them in the sense of this is what you need to do to get this sort of result. But I allow them to, to find it in themselves yes. through the questions yes. that I ask. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, in your opinion, you know, how does one prepare uh, him or herself to be a great leader? Well, you know, this is a really big question, but um, I would say learn to listen for possibility as opposed to always thinking you know. Um, Take one more step every day out of comfort zone. Um, Be patient with the process. That's probably a big one. And not last. You know, but <laughs> not least, but last, learn to celebrate small victories for yourself and for those on your team. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, let me let you have the last word. What is it that you would like our audience to know about leadership? Well, um, 
I'll give you a, a quote I really like. Um, they can do whatever they want with it. Um, it's, it's a quote for reflection. Um, this is the real skillfulness of leading in front of a blank canvas is based on the art of not doing things as it is on doing things. It demands the courage to say less in order to create a gateway to bending the collective beam of attention back towards its source where it all begins. This is uh, Otto Scharmer from MIT. Uh, the book is The Art, um, I mean, Theory You, or Leading from the Future. So it's important to really stay uh, patient and sit with that disequilibrium and be resilient. I guess that's probably what I would suggest to them. Well said, well said. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Ms. Ligia Buzan, the managing partner of a tuning organization, The Art of perfecting leadership as our in-studio guest. Lizia, thank you for a very inspiring interview today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And we will have you back on the program, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, well, that wraps it up for this weekend. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, located on the beautiful campus of Seton Hall University in South Orange, New Jersey. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.